humans only break two ways when they see their own data. And I've seen, I've seen the look in people's faces thousands of times now for the people who are below the line. It's a very clear indication. Welcome to Rocket Your Business for Trade Contractors. This podcast is designed to help contractors in every trade learn to run their business more efficiently and profitably by eliminating chaos, discovering new profit opportunities, and learning how to use the best tools out there to rocket their business to the next level. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rocket Your Business for Trade Contractors. My name is Kathleen. I'm the Director of Sales here at Estimate Rocket, and I am always joined by my very dynamic co-host, Chris Shank, who is the leader of our education and engagement here at Estimate Rocket. Hi, Chris. How are you today? Very good. I'm amped up for this conversation with Nick. Oh, my gosh. You know, um, Chris and I are always so extremely excited when we know that we have Nick Slavic in the studios. Nick is the chairman, the new chairman of the board for the PCA, and we just adore everyone at the PCA. It is such a wonderful organization. He's also the CEO of Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration. They're actually celebrating 17 years in business, which is amazing. And he is also the host of Ask a Painter, which broadcasts live on Facebook weekly. Oh, it's always fun to talk to Nick Slavic. Always new ideas brewing, always new experiments being tried, and he's making money. So a lot of people, trial and error doesn't always equate to profit, but this guy is doing something right always, and he's willing to take a risk, and he brings people with him, not only his own team, but other contractors in the industry. This guy collaborates with a lot of people. He's the chair of the Painting Contractors Association. And I just love picking his brain, seeing what the internal model at Nick Slavic Painting and Restoration is doing, and then seeing what him as a person is coming up with, his leadership ideas. I think everybody benefits from the thinking games he plays and from the real world application of those ideas. Talking about project performance reviews, and here's his take on it. Don't miss the Ask a Painter episode where our CEO, Tom Drost, joins Nick Slavic on November 17th at 12 noon central. Find Ask a Painter on Facebook. Hey, Nick, it is such a pleasure to have you on this podcast. Oh, same. You guys know that you're my favorite people to talk to, and <laughs> this opportunity means the world to me. So thank you, guys. We were just talking about how privileged we feel to have some time with the great and powerful, as you say, Nick Slavic. Um, we know that you actually are now the chair. Is it you're the chair of the board of directors at the Painting Contractors Association? I am. And um, I know a lot of activities happening over there, and you guys are doing some really cool things. You have a um, an event coming up. Do you want to say something real quick about that? Yeah, it's a it's the first of its kind in the 140 year history of this organization. It is. Wow. We're having an in-person national board of directors meeting. So officers, champions, board of directors, families, everybody is going to be there. We're also doing uh, the first ever women in paint conference and the commercial conference as well. And we're putting all together uh, in Nashville. So it's going to be a great time. So you guys are always busy over there. And, and you know, I, I think that you're tackling topic after topic all the time and you're growing your business. You're working with lots of other businesses. So I like hearing kind of what's coming out of the Slavic camp, you know, from time to time. What's the school of Slavic? And, um, you know, we like kind of picking your brain a little bit. We have a Ask a Painter coming up November 17th with yeah. you. That's at noon central. So we're talking over here a lot about the subject of project performance reviews. 
And so now it's our chance to say, okay, well, how are you guys doing it over there? What's your thoughts on some of this? So let me ask you a few questions about it. First of all, how do you structure accountability for insight into project performance with your team? So it's simple, but it's difficult, right? Um, three steps back. If if anyone in our industry even reviewed their employees, it'd be an improvement. Like it, it for it's best to say this typically doesn't happen. And and <laughs> this isn't just painting and construction and that industry. It's hard to find good companies that care enough about their employees to actually review them. And when they review them, actually uh, do it in a useful, productive, empathetic, mentoring sort of way, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do in my company is, uh, as you know, Chris, years ago, we started with this crazy thing with disc profiles, 39 things we rate people, soft skills, hard skills, feelings, data, everything else. And honestly, the best review that I've sort of got this down to is short intervals, you know, we typically go like 50 working days or three months in my company uh, before between reviews. And we only rate them on two things, attendance and job performance. And basically after that, um, you know, it, I've whittled it down to that where it's mm -hmm. simple, it's intuitive, it's transparent, and it's um, predictable as well too. And I think those, right. those are the three things that are really good. You don't dig into their personality and say, tell me about your personality. Well, so what I found out is that if you're going to mess with their pay and comp, that's not the great time to talk about feelings, right? And so I, we do all that stuff, Chris, because you know I'm a fan of that anyway, uh, sure. but we just divorce it from when we talk about their raises. <laughs> that's good. Okay. Personality and money may not have all that much to do with each other. Maybe sometimes, but okay. It's a good point. A good point. Well, if, if they're, so if uh, it will, you taking a soft skill or a feeling and making a compensation or benefit or employment decision yeah. for somebody will only be taken one way and it's not mm -hmm. beneficial to you. It's kind of it's kind of hard to put hard hard data to some of those soft things as well. Not that you shouldn't from time to time, but in the and another thing, let me ask you real quick. Kathy's got a, the next question for you. Yeah. But do you feel like um sometimes we kind of you know, we want things to mean more than what they do. In other words, we want to by kind of dissecting a person's personality or past experience, kind of say, this is what kind of performer they're going to be. But does it always translate apples to apples? I mean, do you think sometimes people are led astray a little bit by saying, this is what we know about you. And so therefore we can completely predict your behavior here. I mean, because sometimes the two are a little bit different, aren't they? So true. Uh, you guys have enough experience with humans, uh, and you're both kind of like, um, students of the human, uh, uh of the human condition where mm -hmm. you understand that not everything means as much to other people as it does to us. So, uh, me pairing all that stuff down and, uh, we still do disc profiles. We still use them, but like you said, they are only useful to a certain part because even people who have experience have professional degrees and things like that. They can have a disc profile like mine high D, aggressive, future thinking, utilitarian. If there's something going on in their personal life, that is not an accurate job to, or that is not an accurate personality description anymore. They will they will read like a completely separate human, low performing, not thinking about their job, late to work, things like that. Hmm. In in my company, you know this uh guys, we've talked about this long ago. We call it PVC. Uh people be crazy. We also call it MPC, mass personal chaos. The, <laughs> the finest human on earth will be rendered kind of like mediocre performance if they have some MPC going on in their life. We yeah. see this all the time. Doesn't even make them bad people. That's what humans do. So with those with those personality things, 
they'll tell you exactly how that human should be if everything is great at home. If they have a stable base on Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that disk profile is likely to be more accurate. But if they're going through, if they have a messy relationship, if they're late on rent, if they're having car troubles, uh, if their kids are not performing well in school, throw it out the window. Um, so Nick, tell us, what are some common identifiers in team language for when you guys are talking about wins and losses? Oh man. So this, this is, and let me know if this answers that directly. I think it does. Mm -hmm. Um, we practice something called above the line, below the line. And it's sort of one of those things. I, I, I know I took it from somebody else. I don't remember who this isn't a novel concept, right? Above the line is you take ownership and responsibility of your actions. And sometimes the actions of the project, the outcome of the project, sometimes it's not even your direct thing, but you're taking ownership of your situation below the line is blame, excuse, deny. And um, humans are sometimes disgustingly consistent with how they go above or below the line. So you can think about personal life and professional life. And it's, I, I don't meet too many humans that are 50-50. I meet humans that all they do is blame, excuse, deny. And I have humans that all they do is take ownership and responsibility. And when I see somebody, Kathy, who takes ownership and responsibility, that honestly is the best indicator of somebody who's going to succeed. And, and when we talk about wins, Magically, the people who win a lot are above the line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what and, a shocker. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> what kind of metrics are you using kind of to determine that? Um, you pull in reports on, you know, are you capturing data from the week and, and pulling those weekly, monthly? What are you using kind of to determine who's above or below? Yeah. So um, the the above the line, below the line is is probably 70 to 80% feelings and discussion based and okay. human to human interaction and how they talk and how they interact with you. And then it's that 10 to 30% potentially the data. What, do we, what we do is you get to see if people are above or below the line when you present them data. So in uh, I have done, I do four formal goal setting and review meetings, performance reviews for all of my painters every year. I do weekly reviews for all of my leadership team. So 52 mm-hmm. times four right now. I mean, that that's how many performance reviews. I do four performance reviews every week and you know somewhere between 20 and 30 uh, every quarter, uh, every, every quarter of the year. Um, so I have a large data set. And um, what I like is that our way of reviewing our painters is so purely their performance. All it is, is their attendance and their job performance. So when I have my tablet and I turn it around and I show them their data, one of two things happens above the line or below the line. And immediately people will say, well, these projects were never estimated for enough. We need more money here. Uh, We're not getting enough support. And then magically the people who win all the time are like, you know what? I feel really good about my performance. There were three jobs that we didn't hit the budget on this time, but you know what? Um, I think if I just manage a little better, I think if we make a better plan to start the project, we'll get it next time. And also I could use your help Uh, on that project. We ran into a technical issue and in the future, would you be willing to help me on a project like that? Humans only break two ways when they see their own data. And I've seen, I've seen the look in people's faces thousands of times now for the people who are below the line. It's a very clear indication. So do you have success mentoring the ones that are below to get above the line and take responsibility? Exactly what I was wondering. You guys had to guess, what would you think, what do you think I would say or do, or what do you think my success is with that? Well, I would think that you have a very high rate of success mentoring and getting people to take ownership, getting them above the line. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of asking them questions 
and showing people examples of good performance. I'm going to throw out um, that I agree with that. Um, but in, in your case, because you just talked about above and below, I wonder if the MPC factor, you're looking for that. And if there's no indication of MPC, then they're, you're going to coach them out. If you if you can't coach them back up where they originally belong and fell from, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That's so you guys know me for the decent human being principle, modern apprenticeship, this empathetic coaching, developing sort of thing. But I'm going to be very upfront and honest, safe space with you guys, right? It's only us in this room. Nobody else is going to hear this. Nope. Uh, turns out people are people and you can't really change them. So I'm being very upfront and honest and I'm open to you guys. And I'm saying, if we look at the data, people who have started below the line have very little success with getting above the line. And wow. because when people get to me, they're between 18 and 30 years old, typically. And um, I don't want that stone to be cast, but honestly it is when I look at it, uh, you know, I uh, very early on in my career, um, I, I did that thing. Maybe this is the chance they need. They have a rough background. There's a spotty resume. There's some, maybe they meet half of our core values, not the others. It's like, as soon as they see that we care about them and there's training and development, I'm just not that good. And I'm not sure that any other paint business is, right? Mm -hmm. So you have to catch people when they're willing to change, mm -hmm. not when you want them to change. So if I'm being honest, guys, it's frustrating. When somebody comes into my company from day one and they start below the line, I think, oh, I'm probably not going to be able to fix this, you know? Yeah. And I've been growing a callus over the years to it, but it still doesn't make me feel good. Honestly. Right, right. It wouldn't make me feel very good either. Because I think all three of us are mentors and we want to have people succeed. It's exciting to see them be able to change their lives. Yep. Well, the, and, and what I will say is uh, what we don't do is we don't default to giving up on humans either. So mm -hmm. we have a, we have a process. Their apprenticeship is initially one week and then one year with four gates that you have to do certain things. Mm -hmm. And at any time they kind of find their way out if they're below the line, but it doesn't mean we don't give them the same opportunity that we've mm -hmm. given our all-stars and people who are below the line. We mm -hmm. just know that the likelihood of them coming out of that is pretty low. It doesn't change how empathetic we are. So. I love the phrase there. They find their way out. Um, and you give opportunities for people to find their way out and onto the next thing that yep. might help them. I think that's good for company culture too, that even if it was seeming like a time suck for the person who's taking training and resources, you know, and, and sitting in a spot that somebody else could come into. Um, mm -hmm. But I think for team culture to know that everybody's given a fair chance, that there are resources, there are ways and then that you're, you know, you're kindly disposed to people finding what's next for them. Right. Um, that may not be too much, as much of the waste as it sometimes feels, I'm sure. Um, well, it's got a thousand thoughts. I'm trying to just, I'm trying to focus my energy here. Uh, <laughs> that, that brings up one of the biggest leadership lessons that kind of coincides with these reviews, which is I made one of the biggest leadership mistakes of my entire life. Uh, in the last three years and then have realized it and then now work to fix it, which is um, my default was always, let's go to the four worst performers in the company and devote all our time to them to help them. And that's a great instinct. The problem is the byproduct of that is your top four performers don't see you at all. And right. honestly, that is that was a huge blind spot where I was literally forsaking the people who matched the core values the most and rocked it every single day. Because I said, you know what? They're good. These people are the people that need us. Well, it turns out the worst, if you take out the bottom 10% of every company, 
it's likely not only are they not good at their jobs, they're also not a core value match. And those are actually the people you should devote the least amount of time to. It should only be, and not because we're calloused, right? But because we only have a certain amount of time. Those are the people where you basically say, data-driven stuff. You need to paint a bedroom in four hours. You need to work 500 hours this quarter and 75% of your projects need to be um, uh, hitting the budget. Otherwise in three months, you won't have a job. I'm here to support you. But also if you're going to sit here and say, there's not enough budget in these projects, there's not enough this and that or support. It's like 80% of the rest of the company is killing it. And so that's not an argument I'm going to be open to, but I'm here to support you. (laughs) So I have a question for you about you. Um, no, no, R- relax. It's not a bad question, but you're so busy and and God bless you. You're volunteering so much time to elevate your trade, which is so incredible. You're a wonderful person. And, but how do you manage doing, cause I know it's tough here doing the reviews on a timely basis. So how do you juggle everything? And is it you who personally is reviewing everyone? Yeah. So I've, I've done a lot of things over the years. I've had my entire leadership team in on reviews. I've had portions of my leadership team, senior leadership team, other people. And honestly, what I found out in the end is that if, if somebody's not, if you don't have the decision-making authority for somebody's comp or advancement or dismissal, Mm-hmm. It might just be extra. And so right. now it's just me. And I've done every iteration of that. Um, there are certain things that, um, I mean, it, it's, it. you guys have seen me long enough. Basically, every everything I say is a series of unsatisfying answers. I schedule it on my calendar and it's sacred time. And I don't schedule okay. anything over it. And And I just know that there are things that, there are things that I can reschedule on my calendar, right? Mm-hmm. But when you are, when you are discussing and you can affect the pay and compensation of those that mean the most to you professionally in this world, that Mm -hmm. is sacred time. And so I schedule a year out in advance. I know exactly what week we're going to do it. Surprise, surprise. It's the end of the quarter. That doesn't happen. Like we know, we know at the end of March, it's the end of the quarter and we have to look at the stuff. And then the next week we review all the employees. It's marked off on my calendar. I don't do events. I don't do podcasts. I don't do any of that. It's just sacred time. And I believe a good leader, you owe that to treat your people's pay and compensation. Like it's the most sacred thing on the planet because mm-hmm. it is to them. Because it is right. Yep. Well, that's that's important. You avoid some landmines, just understanding that principle right there, mm-hmm. how important that is. Um, well, I love all this talk. I think it's important because we're talking about project performance, yep. but that has a lot to do. And really the, the crux of that is personnel performance Yes, because how do your projects, they're not, they're not doing anything on their own. People do it. So, you know, and, and people want to know the type of information you use and the ways you go about processes and stuff like that. But let me, I, I guess let's attack this one real quick. Um, communication is everything, right? You're not on the projects or maybe you see them from time to time, but you need a window in, you know, it may be to your leaders who are then, you know, seeing into the projects and stuff, but you need somehow connection, a nervous system extending through everybody. So, you know, how is it going? What's the state of the system here? Um, How do you maintain that openness and information flow? So, that's about how do you encourage observations and input from your frontline team members to be watching and listening, passing that info. Obviously you have these sacred spaces, which I also imagine you actually scheduled sacred into your calendar. And I'm like, yeah, this would be great for everybody to kind of know that this is the place where I'm listened to. And we have a moment, you know, which everybody wants, but 
Okay. So you schedule it in, but what are, what are some other things you do to kind of help encourage that information flow? Oh, so this is, this is something we've developed over the last four years. It's super simple, but it takes daily accountability. So um, not only did we sort of solve project profitability where we can, we can have a higher probability of project profitability and success and lower callbacks, but in a way we also solve scheduling at the same time with a couple basic things. We use Slack for all our company communication and at 8 a.m. every single crew owes uh, the, the team an 8 a.m. project plan where they basically say, if this is a 40 hour project, we work a four, 10 hour week, what am I going to do my four days? And they can just list basic things. We don't need an hour by hour account, but here's the big chunks that are going to happen on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Here's the budget for the project. Here's my total hours. We always plan at 10% under. That's owed every day at 8 a.m. And at 3 p.m., they basically give the update on track with my project or not. So now think about this. You're you're instilling future thinking into your employees. You're making them think through the project. You're making them look for those landmines, those dry time issues and things like that. So initially that just helps with profitability. But imagine when you're trying to schedule, you would have to guess where all these, I mean, at some times we have 18, 20 projects going on at once. You would have to contact every single person and say, where are you at? Because we need to make the schedule. Well, at 3 p.m., we get an update and we look at their plan and say, hey, Vanessa's on track. It's a four-day project. She's still on track for four. Guess what? Now we know our schedule is solid, right? <laughs> and um, yeah, so then between three and four every day, our two project managers get together. They look at all the updates. They make a schedule adjustment if they need to. And then they post the schedule every day by 4 p.m. So project profitability, project success. And also it, it keyed in with like this byproduct of we fixed the schedule thing. Mm. Wow. Now that's int- you're always doing new thing. I love it that you're so willing to try. But experiment. think about it. It's it's not some crazy new invention. It's hey, what is your plan and are you doing it? Yeah. But the success of that and and I feel like my company is a perfect example of mundane, boring, unsexy things done consistently by professionals every day without without um without waste. And honestly, it we want moonshots. We want uh, we want one magic thing to come in, a human or something else to fix everything. And honestly, it's just a series of that. It's and, just a series of that. Now, and to be fair, and like I'll give you credit to say, um, you guys, well, you know, you try, 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 and you experiment. You get something that works, and then you make that. But you never stop. No. That I guess that's my point. Is yeah. you know, and is it common sense? I don't know. I might push back a little bit on that because. Maybe it's common sense. I got to get information, but how you do that, how you talk about it, how often, and then how you innovate that process. That's something that people look to you for. And what I love about you is you make it very accessible to people and repeatable. And you say like, guys, this is easy. This is something you have the skills to do. And it doesn't have to be sexy. doesn't, but I just love that you're setting up a model for doing it. And I think more than anything, what I I actually want people to start learning more of this from you is Mm -hmm. to try Try something, change it, try again, change it, never give up, never accept that that is its final form, its final manifestation. Why would you? The world is changing all the time. We are changing all the time. That's another thing with whatever kind of assessment and reviews that you have, people change all the time. Now, there may be tendencies, strong tendencies that last a long time, but there's always new manifestations, expressions, and new data and new factors. So I just think that you're playing a good game with all of those human pieces, with all the environmental changes. Mm-hmm. I think that's neat. 
Well, and you know, again, we're all big fans of first principle reasoning, which is it's, it's no simpler thing than if nothing like this ever existed, how would you build it? Not having mm -hmm. any preconceived notions of what would happen. And we did that same thing, Chris, after five years of running a certain project management uh, process system, software, things like that, we basically started over and said, instead of modifying, adding, reducing this and that, what if we didn't have access to any of this? What if none of this existed and we started from scratch? We did. We cut 40% of all the things out of our project management. The next month, we set a record for not only revenue and profit in the company, in the 15-year wow. history of the company. So again, just like that, even if you, even if you're just got this bang up system, there is always the time to first principle reason. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. And, <laughs> and I really like the idea of people checking in every single day. And, yep. and being accountable to you for where the project stands. That's so important. Well, and that, and you know, yes, we can say, hey, we use Slack. Then we have 8 a.m. updates. We have uh, 3 p.m., uh, 8 a.m. project plans, 3 p.m. updates. But the, the the human side is different. You need to build this into your culture that that's a thing. And I'm not going to sit here and lie to you and tell you that's easy. That's the hardest part. No. We can, as business owners, we can show up on a Monday morning and say, oh my God, everybody buckle up. I have so many fantastic ideas for you. Everything changes today. And meanwhile, you know, people are just like, oh God, just stop, like, stop this. We don't like that at all. That actually scares us. Leave us stop alone. Stop changing right? things. Exactly. Like we don't, we don't do well with this stuff. Doesn't even make yeah. them bad people, but we love change. Most people don't, but slowly working it into your culture and, and probably the best, like the, the meta uh, thing that I've learned from all this is if you focus on one thing for three months, one quarter, and devote your life to it and instill it in everything. We've proven over the last 15 years that devote yourself to one thing over three months and you can absolutely make a real change in it. Well, you know, we could talk all day and pick your brain. You know, I, I hear the log jam of thoughts that I also, I want to be like, just let it go, Nick, let's do it. But I don't have hours and hours. This goes, I, I love how focused you guys are. There's a very specific thing you want to talk about and you're doing a very good job of bringing <laughs> in because I am a loudmouth. <laughs> no, it's, it's, we love it. Your your business is a model for a lot of people, not just you know for them to copy and paste what you're doing in your company, but for them to learn your leadership style mm -hmm. and your engagement level and your excitement. There's there's intelligence there. There's raw intelligence that you can't pass that on necessarily, but you can you can teach people how to open and access their own intelligence, and and you do a good job of that. So I love just getting a peek in. Uh, we're excited about the Ask a Painter coming up. Tom Drost, our CEO, is going to be on with you. And you guys are going to do your little brain tryst thing. There where... will be spreadsheets. <laughs> there will. <laughs> we love it. He loves it. Um, excited about that. Hey, real quick, how can people find out more about um, Ask a Painter and whatever else you want them to know? Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. If you type in Ask a Painter, you'll trip over something of mine for sure. Awesome. Hey, this has been fun. Kathy, it it's fun, is isn't it? It is such a pleasure talking to you. It really is. No, you guys are the best. And thank you for the opportunity. And thank you for what you guys do to support people like me in the industry. Rocket Your Business for Trade Contractors is a product of Estimate Rocket sales and job management software. Manage the chaos and rocket your business to the next level. Check us out at EstimateRocket.com. But I'm going to be very upfront and honest, safe space with you guys, right? It's only us in this room. Nobody else is going to hear this. Nope. 